everyone, and we are starting Season 2, Episode 1 of Going Beyond Salvation. Even though we're not done with the year-long reading, uh, what is going on is it's just more easy for me after so many books to end a season and start with number one again. And so... That's what we're going to be doing is every so many books will end a season and it'll actually make it easier for finding uh, episodes as well. So we are in season two, episode one, and we're continuing on in the book of Leviticus. And we have the priests who Aaron and his sons, they're being atoned for. They had to be atoned for because... They themselves were humans, you know, with sin as well. They, you know, were born with sin. And so they had to have their sins atoned for so that they would not die. And what ends up happening, um, they had to be cleansed before they could mediate between the people and God. And so this ends up happening and they actually have to, their ordination had to last for seven days, which seven, when you, for especially brand new believers that don't really know about the Bible, there's a lot of significance with numbers in the Bible. For example, seven is completion. It means completion, you know, the Lord created, you know, the world and, you know, created universe and the world in seven days. And so he did creation in seven days, which means completion. And so their ordination was seven days, which means completion at that point. And then they began their ministry of atone or getting into fellowship. They still had to do the sin offering and still atone for their sin. And then the burn offering fellowship offering and all of that and then the peace offering so that they could be able to be in the presence of the Lord now they couldn't go into the holy of holies except for one time a year to make atonement for themselves and for the people so but they were able to function and mediate at that point and so what ends up happening is we see this process and the Lord's presence comes in and, and we see this happen when the, they, you know, you know, his glory comes and it consumes the burnt offering and the fat portions on the altar. And when the people see it, they shouted for joy and fall face down. I mean, it was a, a, a thing of worship. And when you are actually in the presence of the Lord, it's so neat when you get into the presence of the Lord and you start feeling. When you start feeling the presence of the Lord, I mean, it just, it's like heavy and you just want to worship. And, and everybody's different. Like there's people that like start laughing under the Holy Spirit because the joy of the Lord comes on them. There's people that weep. Just different things happen based on how the Lord is working on people's hearts and what the Holy Spirit is doing in them. And so this is just, it's cool what happens. But then we have Nadab and Abihu. And 
they end up breaking God's commands by taking their censers and they put fire in them and added incense. And it was unauthorized fire, which meant they put coals of fire from an unauthorized source that they weren't supposed to do. And also the offering of incense on the altar was to be done only by the high priest. They were not supposed to do that. Now there is speculation that and and some belief that they were actually under the influence of alcohol during this time. And because uh, you go later on in verse t- or in chapter ten, and and the Lord gives a commandment to Aaron, you and your sons are not to drink wine or other fermented drink wherever you go into the tent of meeting, or you will die. This is a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. You must distinguish between the holy and the common, between the un- unclean and the clean. So. That's where they kind of get that idea is that they were under the influence of alcohol. They were, they had to finally, and they, they end up being consumed by fire. They're killed and which is dramatic. I mean, they just saw the presence of the Lord and for them to just be defiant and be killed. I mean, you know, You know, with their act, they, you know, those who were supposed to teach God's law refused to take God's commandments seriously. And while they were professing to be holy ministers of the Lord, they were actually just serving their own desires. You know, and we see, you know, especially if they were drinking alcohol, they were just serving their own desires and they had no fear of God if they were doing that. And they were leaders of God's people because they were his sons. They, they also represented the priesthood because they are the generations to come. And you, we have to think about, you know, with ministers today, when they commit blatant sin, it does great damage to God and his redemptive purposes on earth. And it's, it's sad. Especially like when you see like sexual assault happen in a church and it involves a minister. A lot of people end up actually blaming God for what the minister did and walking away from the faith. And it's sad because it's not God who did it. You know, we're dealing with somebody who, you know, is, you know, decides to to sin against the Lord and and sexually assault somebody and it's it's their fault but you know it it happens and and it's it's sad it's sad to see stuff like that and you see it with like and, and it's sad it's not just sexual assault you know that happens there's other things that happen where ministers fail and many people walk away from the lord because they think it's God's fault and it's not, you know, we just, we deal with people who, you know, even ministers are, are people. And sometimes, you know, either pride gets in the way or they're, they're dealing with temptation and fall under temptation. They're, they're people, you know, 
they're not they're not exempt from from anything else you know just because they're a minister now they're hold, held to a higher standard because they're a minister they're a shepherd to the people and and it gets hard because there is a lot of pressure on ministers and and even their families there's a lot of stress that happens there and you know they it, it a lot of temptation comes their way the enemy attacks them and and it's more public how you see it so and it, it you know when you know god's ministers you know sin it their transgressions defile the church and all god's people and bring dishonor to to him and so you know the bible teaches that only those who have de- demonstrated a christian life of perseverance and loyalty to god and his word may be appointed as overseers of god's people you know you have to pray about who is in your leadership it can't just be anybody you have to pray about it and these people have to show that even when they've dealt with you know you know the enemy throwing so many things at them that they've persevered through those things and not you know that their faith has gotten stronger and all of that so you know that's why I don't believe in putting brand new believers in leadership positions right away unless the Lord you know something really dramatically happens and the Lord says they're the ones because they're still learning you know what is right what is wrong you know the leadership positions are for people who who have shown a a Christian life where their their life is is living you know Christ like and Christ is is flowing through them and you can see it in their lives it's not saying that they're totally perfect but they're living to a different standard than than the world so we see that happens and and as the lord is telling aaron you know you have to distinguish you know he's giving him this commandment that you have to distinguish between the holy and the and the common between the unclean and the clean and it, you must teach the israelites all the decrees the lord has given them through moses and and that's you know the same thing with ministers today they they teach us what the word says you know what is right what is wrong and and what and they 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 help us with what Jesus has taught what this bible what this word is saying they're you know they listen for God's you know voice and what to tell the people but it's not just the ministers we also have a responsibility as believers to be in the word and know what's truth because in these days we do have ministers that are are sinning blatantly and they've gone on to do their own church they haven't been disciplined or they've left a denomination to avoid discipline and they have their own church and they're they're going about and um teaching false things And so as believers, you know, if we're not in the word ourselves and we're not 
praying to God daily, we're not going to know what is right and wrong. And that's what my charge is to brand new believers. You may be a brand new believer, but get into the word and you may not understand what is going on in there. And what my challenge to brand new believers is, is get a notebook and the areas where you don't understand what's going on, write those in the notebook and yeah, you know, meet with your minister or the path, you know, or, you know, somebody who is of leadership that, you know, teaches, especially that, you know, if they teach a lot of Bible study, they've been around, you know, find somebody who has been in the word for a long time. They're seasoned, they're, they're grounded and, and get with them and, and, and share your questions because, you know, they're probably sitting there waiting for somebody to ask them questions and they're going to guide and direct you. There's, there's men and women of God out there that are, are seasoned and, and in the word and they would love to help brand new believers. <laughs> so that's just what you should do is, and that's what, you know, and if there's any seasoned believers listening to this, you know, make sure, you know, if you're in the word and you're seeing somebody who's a brand new believer, don't be afraid to go up to them and say, hey, you know, if you ever have any questions about what's going on in the Bible, don't be afraid to come ask me, you know, we'll have a cup of coffee or something and, and meet and talk. There's nothing wrong with that. And, you know, I, you know, a lot of people think it's just up to the ministers to, to, to do that. But it's, it takes a whole church to help brand new believers and to make sure that they feel welcomed in church, that they're coming, you know, and if they're missing church, it, you know, it's not just the minister, it's everybody in the congregation that, you know, is there faithfully and they say, Hey, so, or, you know, so-and-so didn't show up. I wonder what's going on and you find out, you know, you get on Facebook Messenger or you text them or call them and say, hey, we missed you on Sunday. What's going on? You know, that's our responsibility as a church is to take care of each other as well. It's not just the ministers. So that's what's going on really is, you know, the Lord gives this commandment and, you know, they, they, there's this incident where, you know, about the goat of the sin offering and there's a mistake there and he's mad. And Aaron just says, you know, would the Lord have been pleased if I had eaten the sin offering today? And then Moses goes, okay, you know, I get it, you know, at this point. And we see here that even though, like with the death of Nadab and Abihu, Aaron couldn't even like, and, and the rest of the family couldn't even grieve. They weren't allowed to grieve over this because the Lord was, you know, they were in this process of being consecrated when all this happened. And so... The Lord, you know, they, they couldn't even grieve. So that's 
you know, pretty much ten, chapter 10. And then we start into chapter 11. And it starts talking about clean and unclean food. And, you know, he he gives, the Lord gives a command that they may eat any animal that has a split hoof completely divided and that chews the cud. The easiest one is a cow. They could have a cow because a cow is split at the hoof and they chew the cud. They couldn't eat pig. They couldn't eat a rabbit at that time. They couldn't eat a camel. Now, and I've, I've heard what it was. Some of it is... Part of it had to be be they were he was separating Israel from the worldly, and that included what they ate. Now, as well, he was also protecting them physically because if you don't cook pig right, for example, because I I live in Wyoming, if you don't cook pig right, you could actually get really really sick, and it's just the same way today. You know, when Jesus came, you know, he ends up decreeing that food is, you know, there's no unclean food. But what it is, is mainly that, you know, the Lord was protecting their health as well. He was making sure they were healthy. And some of these things, you know, like the rabbit, even a pig, you have to be careful how how you cook it and how you eat. And there's people today that eat rabbit that are, are believers. You know, I eat pig. I like bacon. I like pork chops. But even then, you know, you still, like when you cook bacon, when you cook, you know, pork chops, you're still careful how you cook it. There's a certain internal temperature that you cook it to. And you check to make sure that it's cooked all the way. Because, I mean, yes, you can get sick with cow as well. You can get E. coli from cow. But in that time, he was separating them from... Mainly, it was a separation from the other nations. And there wasn't very much... It's just starting, and we'll probably go even deeper into this clean and unclean food as we go along. Uh... And so we'll, we'll talk about those next time. So continuing on, we are going to talk about Psalm 28. So in Psalm 28... It's, this is an interesting, you know, it's of David and he's calling out to the Lord and he's asking him not to turn a deaf ear to him. And he says, for if you remain silent, I will be like those who have gone down to the pit. There's sometimes as a faithful believer, and we've talked about this in, in season one, in previous podcasts, you know, sometimes we feel like God is not listening But he is. 
you know, it may feel like it's silent, but God's presence is still there. And we just have to keep pressing in and drawing near to him during those times. And so, you know, he's, he's talking about, you know, searching for help because he does not want to go the way of evil. And he, you know, he describes them that, you know, they speak well with their neighbors, but they're, they harbor malice in their hearts. And you see that today where somebody will like, they will flatter you and then they backstab you. Think about that, you know, how you treat people. Are you nice to them? And then you turn around and, and in an instant you're, you're harboring malice and, and gossiping behind them. The Lord doesn't want us to do that because, and here's the thing about, and like I was reading, you know, we're in, we're studying Nana, Daniel in our women's Bible study and what I was reading today was, you know, it was chapter seven and he has the vision and he has the vision of the ancient of days sitting on the throne. And that is like in a courtroom that he's in, not the throne room of God, courtroom of God, making judge God a judge. You know, it shows that God is the ultimate ruler, but he's also a judge. And so he knew that God was his judge and said, hey, repay them for their deeds and repay and for their evil work. Repay them for what their hands have done and bring back upon them what they deserve. That's something that we have to do a lot of times as believers. When people have treated us wrongly, you know, we think, oh, you know, we'll show them. But God calls us to be Christ-like and let him, you know, that it's his vengeance if they are unrepentant. And so a lot of times we have to do that before the Lord and allow and surrender that. And he says, you know, and as you draw near, draw near the Lord, you know, you're going to hear him respond. You're going to see him respond. And we see David has that in his psalm because he ends up saying, praise be to the Lord for he has heard my cry for mercy. And then he describes the Lord, you know, as his strength, as his shield. That his heart's going to trust in him and that he is helped. My heart leaps for joy and I will give thanks to him in song. So, you know, we're, we're to do that, you know, have that same attitude, you know, thanking the Lord and just reminding ourselves who he is continually. Even as you're doing your daily reading, take notice how God is, is portrayed and, and, in what you're reading, you know, what kind of God is he, you know, what is he being described as, you know, as, as strength, as a shield, as a judge, as the ultimate ruler, having an everlasting kingdom that will never perish, stuff like that. And, you know, he says the Lord is the strength of his people, which is true. He's the strength of the church of the world. He's the strength of the believers. We can't do this on our own. He's our strength. He's our fortress of salvation. 
So, and he's our shepherd. He's our shepherd that guides us, comforts us, and he also disciplines us. And so that's pretty much Psalm 28. And I really like, you know, and it's going to be neat as we continue on to talk about each of these Psalms, what, what is being discussed Finally, uh, we are talking about the book of Mark. We're starting the book of Mark today. And I just want to give a background on the book of the gospel of Mark. Uh, The gospel of Mark is actually is discussed among and, and, and mostly agreed on that Mark the Gospel of Mark was actually written first. Now we, we start with Matthew first because Matthew is placed in the right place because as we have discussed in previous bo- podcasts that Matthew, he was writing, he was, a, you know, a Jewish, you know, he was Jewish and he was one of Jesus' disciples. He was a tax collector that was was redeemed. And he was writing his gospel showing that Jesus was the the Messiah that was prophesied in the Old Testament. So, you know, there's this nice, you know, Matthew is the, 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 the bridge that, you know, closes in the gap between the Old Testament and New Testament. It, it flows smoothly to go into the book of Matthew after you, you've read the Old Testament and, and seen these prophecies about the Messiah and what the Israelites were looking for, why they were set apart. And then you go into Matthew and it, it's that culmination of that. Mark is different. Mark is actually, they believe it was, he was the first one that was written and then Matthew and Luke take stuff from Mark's they add to it or you know and then they have other sources we'll talk about those you know on a different day but Mark was he was actually called John Mark you will actually see him referenced in the book of Acts and he his mother is Mary and her house was used as a gathering place for the the disciples or the apostles and other um, early believers they were praying for Peter when he was imprisoned and you can read that story in, in Acts chapter 12 he's related to Barnabas who was who traveled with Paul, who ministered with Paul. And he is, so he was very young. Some have speculated that John Mark, there's in the gospel, when Jesus is arrested, there's a young man that flees naked. Some have speculated that that is John Mark. You know, that's just speculation. We don't know for true or if it's true or not. 
but he uh, traveled with Paul and Barnabas and on a missionary journey, on a missionary trip. But he ends up, you see in the book of Acts, he ends up leaving before the end. Doesn't say why he left, he just ends up leaving. And it actually, when Barnabas wants to take John Mark again, it causes a point of dissension between Paul and Barnabas. Because Paul's just like, no, he didn't finish the work. And it actually causes them to split up. And Barnabas goes with John Mark and they go somewhere else. And, and Paul and goes and takes Silas and they go another way. And so it causes them, you know, and we don't know what was going on with John Mark. He was probably young. We don't know. But what ends up happening with John Mark is later on, we do see Paul, his, in, in the um, New Testament, he ends up, you know, calling John Mark a fellow worker, you know, and so some point along the way there was there was reconciliation and then he John Mark is actually uh is he he mainly is with Peter you know the 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 disciple Peter who becomes you know apostle and because Peter refers to him calls him a son which we know as a as a spiritual son and he actually, we think a lot of the book of Mark is John Mark writing down what Peter experienced with Jesus. This is Peter's details. So uh, that is John Mark and just kind of an introduction to John Mark. And when they believe the book of Mark was starting to be written. We believe it was in Rome. It was getting close to Peter, uh, Peter's death. And he ends up, um, I think John Mark ends up writing stuff before Peter's death. And so generally John Mark's, uh, or the book of Mark is generally known as the the first one uh so that is kind of an introduction and what you notice is different about the book of mark as we know in our daily reading he starts off with john the baptist he doesn't deal with the birth of jesus he doesn't deal with the early years of Jesus, he deals, he just starts off with John the Baptist's ministry starting and Jesus's ministry starting. That, what they believe is, and, and we'll see with Mark, is Mark is more, and you're going to see it as we see in our reading, he is very action-oriented. And, you know, at once the Spirit sent him out into the de desert. And uh, you see it also with the calling of the disciples. 
it, you know, they say at once, he writes at once they left their nets and followed him. So there's a lot of action. And you're going to see this in the book of Mark. There's not as much teaching, not as much parables. It's more focusing on the miracles and what Jesus did than more what he said. You also notice that he doesn't deal with genealogy. He doesn't deal with the birth of Jesus. He does have some references to to prophecy, but not as much. And that is because Mark, they believe, is he was writing to the Roman Gentiles. And they are not concerned with, uh, you know, so much as that, um, you know, they're not concerned with genealogy of Jesus. They're not so much concerned about the prophecies or the teachings they want it there. He wants them to see Jesus as the healer, that he is the son of God and our savior, but he is, you know, our healer and, and a God of action is how we, we see in the book of Mark in the gospel of Mark. So that's just an introduction into, in, into Mark and probably sometime down the road, I'll actually go and do actual dates and stuff when they think that it was written. So it, as we have said, he starts off with the public ministry of John the Baptist. He does quote Malachi 3, 1 and Isaiah 43 as two prophecies fulfilled through John's ministry he does reveal that Christ came specifically from Nazareth to, to be baptized by John in the Jordan in the Jordan. And then, but he doesn't go into so much, you know, he, he does show the baptism that the Holy spirit, the, the Trinity. And then he, he doesn't go into much description about, Jesus's temptation. However, there's a word, you know, and and in the King James Version, it says, the King James Version is driveth, and there's actually the Greek word ekbalo. I'm not as good with Greek, and it means to send away or to cast forth. And that it's actually a strong word and it's indicating that the spirit was strongly impressing Christ to enter into the wilderness. If you want to understand the, the meaning of Christ's temptation and his baptism, you'll have to go into previous podcasts to understand that. Because we talk about that in the book of Matthew very strongly. And so feel free to go back through season one. And to when we it's right at the beginning of this of the 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 show itself, because I talk about, you know, when when we are actually tempted by Satan. So the thing that he does that math or Mark does tell him. Is he says, you know, he, that the other two gos- the other gospels don't talk about is wild animals. 
neither Matthew nor Luke mention these wild animals or in the King James Version it says wild beasts. And it actually, it's, it's referring to a violent and dangerous beast. And actually, if you want a little bit of concept back then, there were bears and lions that roamed the wilderness. And you wouldn't think bears and lions. Well, you would think lions, but not bears. They did have bears. <laughs> and that he was in close proximity to dangerous beasts during his, his 40 days. And so... Then it talks about John was put into prison. Jesus immediately goes to Galilee, which we've talked about. He starts, well, we actually, the first part of Christ's ministry is actually in Judea until up to John being put into prison. And then John's put into prison. He goes into the region of Galilee, which is a different area. And he starts proclaiming the good news and telling them that the kingdom of heaven is near. And then we see the calling of the disciples. And as we've, they, you know, they immediately left their jobs to follow Christ into full-time ministry. That's how we should be when God calls us to do something we should have that kind of obedience to to lay down everything and move forward with what God calls us to do. And it's just about opening our hearts and allowing him to speak to us what his plan for us is. You know, not everybody goes into full-time ministry. Not everyone is called to full-time ministry, but we are called to be full-time witnesses. And so when the Lord tells you to drop everything, to go talk to somebody about Jesus, that's what you do. So they end up leaving everything they had. And we notice that James and John's family had hired servants, which meant they, they were somewhat well-to-do economically and socially. And which means they were leaving a really good lifestyle. <laughs> those two. So for them to leave that just to go be with Jesus, I mean, that speaks a lot. They go to Capernaum, and he's teaching on a Sabbath. Christ is teaching on a Sabbath. And I was actually reading, or I was watching a video about, and somebody pointed this out, that he starts teaching on a Sabbath. And generally on the Sabbath, it was like somebody who was a religious leader who taught. And no, Christ does it. And so when you feel like you are not qualified, especially when, you know, you feel called to teach, especially, you know, if you feel like, you know, you're called to teach Bible studies or teach kids or reach to, to the youth, or if you you know, even to preach to somebody about Jesus, you know, to witness, you may feel like you're unqualified. You're not. God is the one that works through us. We just have to be the open vessels and, and, you know, yes, be reading your word so you know how to answer questions when they come up. But 
were to be the open vessel and let him move. And, and, you know, we may feel like we're not on, we're not qualified at all, but, you know, God's going to work through you. So, because, you know, if he wanted, you know, if Jesus wanted Pharisees and all of that as his disciples, he would have picked Pharisees, but he didn't. He picked fishermen that weren't well known. So, or that had probably not a lot of, you know, scholarly background to them. The only one that probably did was Matthew because of his life, maybe his previous life. We don't know. But that is what ends up, you know, I wanted to point out there. And we notice that there's this unclean spirit that challenges him. And the spirit knew who Christ was and he called him the Holy One. But Christ just immediately commands the spirit to be silent. So notice he does not carry on a conversation with evil spirits as he casts them out. You know, he... There was going to be one day that he was going to be charged with associating with the Prince of Devils. We saw that in, in the book of Matthew. And they're going to say that his power comes from these spirits and not from God. But however, like, we notice that he doesn't, you know beat around the bush and talk to them and figure out because you see that like in so many people like want to say well you know you're you're supposed to figure out who these these demons are and it's like no you you just don't beat around the bush you just command them out in the name of Jesus so when you come across that ever don't be beat around the bush you know just and that's how it is. When we pray for people who are sick, who who need a touch, who need prayer, we just don't beat around the bush. We immediately just pray. So that's what happens. And this, this astonishes the people. And the Greek word is expleso. And it means to strike out, to strike with amazement. It means that they were struck with shock by Christ's authority. They had never seen anything like that. They had never seen unclean spirits cast it out. You know, they had these religious leaders and none of them have ever done that. And remember, there's been a silence for a long time. So these people are going, who, are, who is this guy? And it's, it's going to cause them to draw near and out of curiosity. And so that's the book of Matthew or Mark. I'm so used to like we were like in Matthew for such a long time. And now we're in the book of Mark. So this is the book of Mark. And we'll continue on for the next podcast. And so for the next podcast, uh, read Leviticus chapter 11, verse 9 through chapter 13, verse 23. Then we have Psalm 29, verses 1. 1 through 11, Proverbs chapter 5, verses 3 through 4, Mark chapter 1, 
verse 29 through verse 45. And so I'm going to end in a prayer. And I just want to say thank you, Lord Jesus, for who you are, Lord. That, Lord, you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Lord. And we just thank you, God, that that your presence and, and by the blood of Jesus that we are healed that our sins are wiped away, Lord God. We don't have to deal with the sacrificial system anymore. We just thank you. We can look at it and just say it points to Jesus. And that, Lord, I just pray, God, that you would just touch us, Lord. And where we feel unqualified, Lord, we pray against the voice of of the devil coming against us, Lord. And we just pray and just command Satan to leave our table in, in, in the name of Jesus, that he has no place to put those thoughts in our mind. We come against it in the name of Jesus, Lord. And Lord, I pray that your word, as we continue to read your word daily, Lord, I just pray that it would just begin to be revealed and magnified in our hearts, Lord. And I pray that you would just begin to strategically put, put us in places, Lord, where we can witness about Jesus and what he has done for us so that we can give you the glory and the honor that is due, Lord. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great day, you guys. Mm-hmm.